too often in this business, substance is given more heft than style. And, you know, a good introduction is the kind of style needed for a show like this. Because you, the dear listeners, have been dealing with so much substance coming at you week after week after week. So much richness from the mind of a great man that's stimulating so much thought. Will you be patient? I'm getting to you. I, do, I don't know what he's going to say. This, this, I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> this podcast has been, has been hijacked by R.A. David. Thank you. Go. Coming to the microphone now. <laughs> a man of great substance with great style, Barack Lurie. Thank you, thank you. All right. Uh, that was only 50 seconds. Yes, you're right. Is, you're right. Is it that? It's very good. You are not, you, you are if we get a sponsor, I shall say. If we get a sponsor, that would just be the time of one commercial to buy a product or a service. <laughs> the thing is, we don't actually need sponsors, which is great. It kind of lets us be who we need to be. All right. <laughs> well, that, but that brings us to what we're going to be talking about. You need to be who you're going to be. Uh, See, there is a tie-in. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Okay, Hillary Clinton, of course, uh, one of the things I talked about on my Sunday show recently is that she, you know, has all these scandals, the email scandal, the, the Clinton Foundation issue, what happened in Benghazi, and so many more things that... Uh, Ari will now rattle off because he's so good at this. Whitewater, Cravelgate, Climategate, uh, Monica Gate, Paula Jones Gate, Jennifer Flowers Gate, Juanita Broderick Gate, Kathleen Willie Gate, Vince Foster Gate, Ron Brown Gate. I was under sniper fire in Serbia Gate. Uh, do you want me to continue? I <laughs> yes. can do this for about an hour. Uh, go for another uh, two minutes. Okay, uh, taking over health care, which was illegal, by the way. She was not co-president in 1993 and couldn't be if you wanted to be, if you voted her vice president instead of Al Gore, maybe, but no. Um, let's see, there's uh, Zoe Baird, there's Lanny Grenier. Zoe Baird had bad nannies, Lanny Grenier had bad values. Uh, uh, Janet Reno had bad uh, chlorine gas that turned out to be flammable. Um, how much more do you want? That's about that's okay. about good enough. Uh, and, and then that's to say nothing of, of the, uh, the the Russian reset button and all the stuff that she did as as Secretary of State and all the failures of as Secretary of State. Putting aside the scandals, yeah. just well, her incompetence, generally speaking. Right. One quick disclaimer, though, as you, the great listeners of this podcast, know, these were all old scandals, anywhere from five minutes to 20 years, and thus the media doesn't think they count because they're old, because their response is, yeah, but we know about that already. Tell right. us something we don't know. Right. And then you uh, tell Benghazi? them. Benghazi? <laughs> Email? And then, and then they know that, and then they say, well, now we know that? Now we know that. Now we don't. Now tell us something we don't know. All right. So... So with each of these scandals and each of these outrageous statements or actions, as the case may be, for example, they just recently about about deleting the server, right? And of course, the whole the whole thing with the FBI interrogation and that there's a possibility of perjury. In fact, I think there is perjury going on here. Um, you know, we, the listener, or I guess the the viewer, the the citizen of America, we we say, how can this happen? This is terrible. We, somebody, you know, somebody needs to pay for this. She needs to go to jail, or at least she needs to be censured, or she needs to to stop running for president. She something has to happen. Some sort of justice needs to occur here. She needs to be held accountable for the things that she's done and said. Okay, and yet we're we're flummoxed. I tell you, flummoxed. 
we, nothing's happening. This this woman seems to continue running for president, and and uh, in fact, she seems to perceive herself to be a legitimate uh, citizen of the world, and 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 that she's an innocent doer of all things. But she ain't, and we know that, and we're just kind of scratching our heads. Uh, how is this possible? Yeah, we've been, I've been waiting for 25 years for some beat cop to arrest her. Right. When? And it's not happening. And, and here's where we're coming to, to our theme for today, which is, why are you surprised? Right? And it leads to our distinctions in a moment. Uh, the, the why are you surprised comment is something I said on Sunday where, uh, you know, these things happen... This is the norm in the rest of the world, or most of the rest of the world. Corruption it's, is, is, and nepotism and favoritism and backdoor deals and uh, two, the two, uh, system of just, two systems of justice is, is common everywhere else in the world. And we are surprised because we're just not used to that. But that's the norm. And what we've done successfully to some extent and unsuccessfully in another extent is that we've quarantined ourselves very nicely where we let all the other countries, you know, think of them as zombies, if you like. They're, they're out there and we've got this nice little fortress where we have the system of justice. People are accountable. There's law and order. Bad guys go to jail. Good guys get rewarded. And we preserve values that we think are good, such as truth and justice. Okay? That's what we've done. Okay? We, we are, we've got that fortress, and we've got, you know, the guys up in the, the fortress, the various fortress towers with the flamethrowers and such, you know, to, to keep the zombies at bay, <laughs> lest we be infected like they are. But every once in a while, the zombies come to the, to the fortress walls, and they try to, to overrun it. And hopefully we can shoot them down and, and chop off their heads and such like that. But no, I'm sorry to report that it looks like the zombies may have infiltrated. Because I don't see a difference between what is happening with Hillary Clinton and her being able to get away with this crap, this, this, uh, this clear corruption, this two-tiered system of justice. And all the, 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 the third-rate... Tin pot, tin pot dictators uh, that we see in South America and Africa, for that matter. What's the difference? Uh, can I interrupt you real fast? Because I, there's actually breaking news about the difference. And this will shock you. All right. And I'll shock the listeners. I know this news by the time the listeners hit will be about oh, a couple of days old. But the difference is that in Brazil, of all places, yeah, I was gonna say, they impeached and removed the president. I know. I just, I just learned about this, too. That's true. They, they so actually, there, there's some justice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Some. A little bit. Well, smidgen. you know, but you could say the same thing about Italy, for example. They're constantly throwing out their, their previous governments and such. Uh, but that's only because there's corruption is throwing out the, other, the previous corruption. And it, it just, it's meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, it's really mafia wars of, that's, you know, that's one what, gangster for another. Yeah. Uh, and, and this particular Brazilian president was really quite a piece of work and, and was very corrupt. A previous leftist guerrilla, as I understand. Yes. Anyway. Um, yeah, you, but the point is, is someone went down in Brazil. At, at least they places. went down. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but that's not going to happen here. And that, that maybe 
is what's causing us such angst and, and anxiety about this because we know that something should be done and she's only being protected by her, her mafioso. I mean, it's not actual mafia, of course, but they're just guards that she's hired. Uh, they're called the Democratic Party and they'll do anything they can to protect her. And it's and, and you in the Democratic Party, those of you who are in the Democratic Party, consider yourself Democrats. Consider who you're, whom you're protecting. Ask yourself, you know, if, if you were hired as a bodyguard for somebody and then you discovered that you're, you're, you're being a bodyguard to, I don't know, Charles Manson or Bertie Madoff or any of those things, and you re- realize, hey, you know what, I, I'm protecting and, and enabling somebody who, who is quite evil. Might you just maybe drop your gun and just kind of walk away? Yeah, resign. Resign. Yeah, picture was the uh, CEO of an oil company. Just yeah. pretend. Yeah, yeah, they're very good about that. They, you know, or God forbid that they disagree with uh, same-sex marriage, <laughs> or uh, that they disagree with the notion of climate change. Well, then, you know, you should be resigning from from that organization. How outrageous! Or Rush Limbaugh recently had a, a comment about some particular woman. I forget who it was. It's not important. But he called her, uh, you know, used a, uh, I called her a slut, I think it was, something to that effect. And, you know, everyone called for a boycott of that, and it's so, so outrageous. Uh, that, that deserves our contempt and, uh, and boycott. But when the, a woman who is, who is engaged in such corruption um, does the things that she does, well, then we, we need to stop talking about it. Yeah, and bear in mind, everyone, this is the woman who has a husband who was impeached. Yeah. Well, and, I, and the, the event that led to the impeachment was him cheating on her. Yeah, that's true. I, I, that's I true. mean, does, at what point are you just being stupid here? Well, everyone's stupid. Hillary's stupid for staying with him, and the, the country is, is stupid for staying with him and with her. And, and there's an expression, and it's I think it's more than apt now that I think about it, which is, if you lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. And she certainly has lied down with him in, in so many different ways. And she's got the stink of Bill Clinton through, you know, on her. Uh, and, and her own stink is, is far worse. And I say this, you know, the word stink is a very strong word, but uh, what she's done is very strong. Uh, compare what she's done to what General Petraeus did. And he was uh, fined very heavily and not thrown into jail, but put on probation. I mean, it was a serious charge. He lost charge. everything. He lost everything merely because he showed, he, he gave access to, uh, of secured emails to a woman who in turn had a security clearance as well. One person. It's not as if he, she, she you know, it was, it was something that could have been uh, hacked or anything else, nor was there a separate secured server or, and no, nor was there wiping of that server uh, with a, a thing called BitBleach, uh, you know, to, to purposely scramble all these things so they would never be able to be found again. Um, none of that crap went on. So, yeah, oh, one more thing. He didn't lie about it either to the authorities. That's true. He did not lie. That's right. That's right. He didn't try to cover it up. Um, and, and this is interesting, by the way. And then I want to move on to a kind of a broader subject because we do talk a lot about Hillary Clinton and, and these emails. But, but I don't know who said it. I think it was uh, Jonah Goldberg on Fox News. He was saying, you know, they, they recovered most of those 30 thousand emails that she deleted somehow, uh, notwithstanding that bit bleach thing. And <laughs> he said, it's interesting to note not, that not one of them uh, involves yoga routines <laughs> or, or her 
mother's funeral or her daughter's wedding, right? None of those things. The, the three categories that she said that these 30,000 emails contained. <laughs> yeah, you'd think you would. Well, you'd think at least one of yeah. them would be just to, just to create a, a face-saving uh, involved in this, just to legitimize. Yeah, so the, there's, uh, there's the yoga one. <laughs> but, I told you where I deleted yoga right. things. Were you really interested in this after all? Right. No, of course not. And if you just look at the woman, when has she ever done yoga? <laughs> That's true. I'm not talking about her looks. You are or... a misogynist, sir. Oh. No, but, you're, but you're right. I, I don't believe that she does any yoga. Uh, I mean, you know what? That'd be great if you can actually show. We should subpoena her calendars, whether digital or otherwise, as to any time she did any yoga routine. In fact, I'm saying this as a lawyer now. You can you can subpoena and and limit it simply to yoga routines. That's it, okay? Uh, and and let's see whether she's ever done it whatsoever. Well, there's also location services on an iPhone. You can tell where an iPhone's been, right? When has it been at a yoga class? Yeah, well, all right, so let's move on. Yeah, but it is a yeah, yeah, legitimate it's, it's, question. It's, uh, too deep in, uh, too, uh, deep in, in the, the weeds, weeds yeah. Um, all right, so it goes into the area of distinctions because you know we're big fans of distinctions. And it's, it, well, now it's no longer that America can truly see itself as distinct in terms of justice and truth in, vis-a-vis all the other countries that don't really care so much about justice and truth. Uh, other countries care mostly about power. And, you know, the way you succeed in life is, is how close and, and how deep your inner circle is to the, the person in charge. If you, can, if you can accomplish that, then your life is going to be very pleasant. If you can't, well, then, you know, you're going to be in the barrios and, and you're going to be in the Calcutta ghettos or whatever it is. The favelas of Rio. I yeah. don't know what that means. No, that means the barrios. Yeah, the okay. So, yeah, that, that's where you'll be. Yeah. But, you know, you'll have that terrible gap between the rich and the poor that you're always decrying. It's it's not it's relatively non-existent still in America, and certainly not not nothing close to what it is in Brazil or uh, or even Argentina or, or or God forbid anywhere in Africa or India, Pakistan, the Muslim world. Uh, it's just you just have no idea what the what that distinction is. But we are we are eviscerating that distinction. We are yet again. It's another distinction that we've been talking about so many. We we talk about the evisceration of the distinction between men and women. Uh, boy and girl, of course, uh, between good and evil, parent and, and child, teacher and student. Uh, and, and we went through this long, long list, right? And so, so they eviscerate the most important distinctions, you know, saying please and thank you. In other words, good language versus profane language, uh, pr- um, pornography versus uh, regular mainstream TV. You know, these are, they're blurring the lines and it, to some extent they're just blowing them up. Um, and then, of course, one of the greatest examples is how they're trying to force people to uh, allow men into women's bathrooms and women's locker rooms. Okay, that's the classic distinction. When you think of distinctions, that's one of the first things that your mind races to. And even that they won't let you have. So they're blowing up these distinctions. And in the meantime, they're creating more, dis- you know, these, they, they fabricate distinctions um, such as, uh, oh, I don't know, um, the, the creation of uh, affirmative action, for example, uh, which is creating a false distinction between um, black and white, or for that matter, any minority, um, and, 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 and white people. Yeah. This or, my, is, or my favorite way of putting it, because yeah. it, the thing about this one, people of color 
Right. When, when does a people person of color ever right. refer to themselves in the cloud of I'm a person of color? Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you, you, they don't identify. That. They don't wake up in the morning and while they're shaving and say, "Ah, oh, I'm a person of color. I'm I'm Bob, a black man. Or, I'm I'm Bob, uh, you know, half white, half black." I, it, it's just it's it's so bizarre to me. I'm one sixty fourth Cherokee. It, it doesn't. People don't think that way, right? <laughs> so, so here's some. So here are some other distinctions that um, that you see: employer, employer, employee. And what do I mean by that? I mean that they, they, they there need not be such a dramatic distinction, but they, the liberal community, makes it so. They, they, they do it by way of these very draconian laws: the the wage and hour laws for one one thing, the overtime laws for another, the sick days and the vacation days, and. And, and what you can say to an employee when you're interviewing them and, and um, I, you know, when you need to pay them and such like that. They make it such a big distinction, totally unnecessary. Whereas in the old days, you know, somebody's a, a file clerk for, you know, for a couple of years and then he rises in the ranks and then he becomes part of the team. But instead, they, they tell you this is the way you're going to run your business. They create this artificial distinction between employer and employee um, and they, they really kind of create great walls. They, they thicken these walls as much as possible. Well, can, can we talk about that one for a minute? Because that's yeah. really brilliant. Because you hit on an incredible truth here, uh, which is the nature of capitalism. The nature of capitalism is we are all working together through our own self-interest, and we get the business of the world done some, yeah. so in some miraculous way, even if we have nothing in common <clears> with <throat> the people we're cooperating right. with. Anybody can come from anywhere and achieve great things. That's right. Right. But instead, what they do is they say, "No, you're here, and that employer is over there, and never the two shall meet." Uh, and and if he does promote you, there has to be this formal process. Yes. Okay? And and it's a distinction that is dangerous. It's an unnecessary distinction. It creates a hostility between the employer and employee. Um, everyone's looking at each other like, "Okay, wait, sign my employee handbook, for example." We have to do that now. Um, and, and all the other restrictions. And I have to tell my employees, uh, you can't work more than eight hours a day. I don't want to pay overtime. So, but if I, they arbitrarily set eight hours as that magic time. But if they want to work more, I'm not going to let them work more because I don't want to pay overtime. I'm willing to pay them X amount, but not X and a half. And if hour. there weren't overtime laws and you could just pay them the scale of hourly rate for the amount of work they're doing, right? you have no problem with, let's just say it's a 40-hour work week. You would have no problem with someone knocking out twenty of those hours on Monday, twenty of those hours on Tuesday, and yeah, but you can't, but you can't do even you can't that. Do Not that. in California, at least. Yeah, you you can't if you work uh, more than eight hours, regardless of how many. Uh, if, if you only work two hours later on in the week, it doesn't matter. You still have to pay overtime. Yeah, which means time and a half or right. double time if it's over a right. certain limit. That's Rather, right. and what this does, and I think this is a great point, is it destroys the teamwork. Uh, of cooperation. Yeah, it's, and, and and people, people can't roll up their sleeves and say, I'm going to help out boss. Right. And then you, and boss says, no, you got to go home. Okay. Cause we're management and you're the employee and thanks, but no thanks. I, I, you know, but boss, you don't have to worry about me. You can just pay me regular time. I'm not going to, sorry, you can't waive that. Right. Employee. Because there's Mr. Government over here. Yeah. Like telling the you, death yeah. star. And if he sees your planet, he blows it up. <laughs> like the death star. It All right, let, let, let me move on to yeah. other distinctions which they, uh, they create, right? One is that the distinction between um, uh, Muslims, um, which are the, ma- the vast majority of them being good, and Christians, 
uh, the vast majority of them being bad, right? That, that's, that's acute. This is a distinction that's now happening, right? Right. right. Um, here's a tragic distinction that they're making that they fabricated, which is if you're a rape victim of a Muslim perpetrator or North African descent person, uh, then you are distinguished from a rape victim from somebody who's, you know, who's been raped by a, a white person, somebody who's not Muslim or North African. Very different, okay, the way you're going to be treated in the press. Or, of course, illegal alien. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Illegal alien. Good, good point. Uh, so these, these are horrific things. And can you just imagine, you know, the, the horrific nature of rape altogether and then knowing that because it's a, a person from North Africa or from Syria or wherever, that he's the one that, that you probably will never get justice. Right. Can you imagine yeah. the terror of that? If it's a white athlete on a swimming team on the right college campus at the right time, all justice is yours. But if it's any sort of protected class who does the raping, and, and it ignores the fact that the action, the, the rape itself is the evil that has to be managed right. or controlled, not right. who did it. Uh, just, it's just, it makes you want to throw up. It, it makes you just feel so sick on the inside. Here's another distinction that's fabricated, which is those who believe in God, who are, of course, um, bad or ignorant, and those who are secular, who are, of course, good and sophisticated. That's a distinction now. Okay, you understand that. They're the elites and uh, those who are not. And then finally, of course, the classic, uh, the so-called separation of church and state, right? When there is none. There is, there is no, there was written in a letter by Jefferson to whoever, I forget who, and he made reference to, it would be nice if we had a separation of church and state, and they glommed onto that as if that's a constitutional mandate. It ain't. Uh, on the contrary, they, I mean, we said this many times before, every founding father has said that this great American experiment cannot work unless God is in the equation. It, it just, it, it was so obvious to them that they didn't even, that they didn't put it in the Constitution. Um, when people say, well, if it's so, so uh, paramount, within the Constitution and that this is what democracy requires, then why didn't they say that in the Constitution, Mr. Lurie? Q-E-D, which means, you know, I've just proved my point. Um, I'll tell you why. Because it was so friggin' obvious, right? You also need oxygen <laughs> to, to pursue your life, but you don't think about oxygen, right? So you don't say, well, this Constitution also requires and contemplates that people have enough oxygen to go about their daily lives you wouldn't put that in the Constitution because it's so friggin' obvious. And that's what it was like back then. God was, was in everyone's life. There was, virtually, there was virtually no such thing as an atheist. And, and, and the way they understood God was very clear. It was the, the, the Judeo-Christian God. And, uh, and what they meant by the, the, um, the state shall not create a, um, a church. A state sponsor. A state sponsor. Religion. It was exactly that. Yeah. It, it should not be like the Church of England as, as existed at the time. Yeah, in other words, government and the institution right. of a church should not be one, but not no references to God or the Bible or right. any of those things. Yeah, and somehow it got twisted, and then they decided that there was this virus of a case, and I forget which one it was, but it changed the whole landscape of the way we perceive the First Amendment vis-a-vis -vis religion, and it, and it said exactly this, that, that somehow there should be a, a separation of church and state, that if you... If you allow the Ten Commandments, and then, then therefore you are favoring religion, oh, we better not have it at all. Um, no, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. On the contrary, I mean, if, if that were the case, then why do they have, 
why would they have put the Ten Commandments and, and all the, the religious artifacts all over the friggin' you know, uh, capital, Washington, D.C.? And why does I mean, this... that, that was contemporaneous yes. with, the, with the Constitution. So if it was so uh, inconsistent with the Constitution, why would they have put it right, right away? Clearly, that didn't, doesn't jibe with your interpretation of the separation of church and state. It, it cannot, right? So it must mean something else. And the, the Occam's razor explanation, which means the simplest explanation is usually the right one, the Occam's razor explanation is that they simply meant we're not going to create a Church of America. That's it. Okay? And, and, we, and we're not going to interfere with your religion either. Yeah, churches okay? like private businesses are on your own. Yeah. Go function. Yeah, no, no problem. So let's have the Christmas tree. Let's have the menorahs if you like. Have at it. But, but don't, don't tell us that we can't talk about God in school. And, and on the contrary, we, we must talk about God in school. Every founding father would just like slap their forehead. I can't believe this is what, how you interpreted what we wrote. Anyway, so... Or, or they but, but, say, what are you interpreting? What we wrote is right there. Right. And it's the same as, as a, a, you know, first of all, it says in God we trust in all, on all of yeah, our there, money. Yeah, there's an example and, there. Uh, and on all of our, every House of Congress, right. in the Senate and the House, and yeah. in most state houses, it says in God we trust on the walls. Right. And it Why was hasn't right that a, been taken down? And it was right away, too. So, so that's a fake distinction, right? It's another fabricated distinction that the left uh, has, has made and, and, and foisted upon us. And it's, it's like, you know, we, 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 it, it proves to me a point, which is, you know, we talked before about nationalism. That there's another distinction that they're trying to eviscerate, right? There are no French people. There are no German people. There are no Americans. There are no British. They're artificial constructs. They are artificial. They we are, we're all citizens of the world right. is what we should be, okay? So a classic blow it up, all the nationhood thing. In fact, the EU is all about that, right? Blow up any distinction of these silly countries that only led to mass destruction, don't you know? You know, Hitler and so forth. Uh, never mind that, that that's just nonsensical. Right. Nationalism is actually a good thing, um, just like fire is a good thing. Right. It was the atheism that caused all the problems, not the nationalism. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. So that is what it is. But they want to eviscerate that distinction, but they like the distinction of the gay flag, right? They like the distinction of uh, LGBTQ, Right, they keep on adding these different letters, <laughs> letters into the it. to the grouping. They don't say they, they, there are distinctions there, right? Are you? They don't say are you homosexual? Boom, right? Uh, homosexuals on campus. They don't say that. No, they have to say lesbian, which is distinct from male homosexual, which is distinct from transsexual, which is distinct from uh, a bisexual, which is distinct from a queer, whatever that means. And a whole bunch of other things. Asexual and apparently distinct like from the G, the gay. So, so, so they're not willing to accept different nations, which have different languages and different cultures and all this stuff. That is all garbage. <laughs> but you, you must honor their distinctions when it comes to sexuality. Yeah. And that's why I joked around before on, on my show. I said, why are we... I mean, we just had the Olympics. And we had, uh, there's approximately 190 countries competing against each other. I said, well... This is an anachronism. Why should we be competing against each other based upon nation states, which we all have such contempt for, right? Well, let's let's instead compete uh, based upon your sexual identity and race. Uh, and uh, well, yeah, and race too. Well, they they'll call that racism, 
but they, they, they advocate this, this distinction of sexuality. In fact, there's a, a website that, that shows approximately 120 different kinds of sexual, sexual identities. And uh, some of them really bizarre, naturally, as you might imagine. So it's not just the three or four we just mentioned before, uh, bisexual, uh, homosexual. Yeah, necrophilia, uh, pedophilia, oh, my favorite animophilia. One, my, my favorite one was fict- fictosexual. What's that, you ask? Yeah, what is that? Okay, that's where you're uh, sexually attracted only to fictional characters. Okay, uh, got it? So you might like Snow White, for example. She was hot, by the way, in that movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> Cinderella, she's looking good. <laughs> right? Bambi. <laughs> uh, now, that's gross, man. <laughs> that's No, that's a different category. That's ficto-bestiality. Oh, <laughs> So fake animal. Ficto bisto sexuality, which is a subset of ficto sexuality. You are sick. Well, you know, I just thought of how lucky if you, by the if way, you had if you self if you ever start to self identify as that, right. you are so lucky that your own father is a cartoonist. Because he could just yeah. come up with any character. It's, it's hysterical. Want. That's right. Dad, I materialize them for you. That's right. Anyway, uh, the point is that why not, why didn't we have, seriously, why didn't we have a, an Olympics entirely based upon uh, your sexual identity? I, don't laugh. It, it is absolutely a legitimate basis. If you, you think nation states are an anachronism and that they, they send the wrong message, then why are you celebrating that Hungary gets the gold and France gets the silver and uh, Italy gets the bronze and so on? Why are you proud? And then they stand up in these podiums and there's a national anthem up for each of those respective countries. What, why? Don't you despise these distinctions? What, shouldn't there be just one anthem? Right? And, and uh, in fact, what they should be doing is, is doing it based upon, um, you know, your sexuality, right? Because that's a distinction just as good as any other, right? Let all the pictosexuals uh, fictosexuals, you know, compete as a team, and the heterosexuals compete as another team. I imagine the heterosexuals will be a larger team, but just like America will be a larger team, right? And the bisexuals, there'll be a significant community too, and uh, everyone will have a lot of fun. And you play soccer, you play uh, hockey, whatever it might be. And then if if your team wins, you get or you win as an individual in gymna- gymnastics, for example, you get to just choose not an anthem, just choose your favorite song. For me, it would be, I don't know, Back in Black by ACDC. I like it. Okay, it's a fun song. Or We Will Rock You. <laughs> you choose your song. I think, you know, in this, in this day where everything's about me, well, <laughs> then let them choose their own song instead of a national anthem. Brilliant? Well, not only is it brilliant and beyond brilliant, they, did you see the women's 800 race at Rio? They started that. No. They had, okay, Full stop on this one. <laughs> they had a race. The women's 800 meters where women run around the track twice. Right. And one of the competitors from South Africa is identifies dif- him, her, himself differently. Sim, yeah. And Shim. it turned out it was a man with a bulge and everything and was wearing men's outfit. And, of course, he won by several lengths. I mean, just wow. lapped the field. Right. And... The announcers kept saying, what a troubling, difficult decision this is to reckon with. Right. For him and her. 
I don't. And I mean, it, it was clearly a man. Right. It, I mean, I don't know if you saw the outfits uh, that some of these runners wear, but they're rather streamlined. It doesn't hide, um, let's just say, the topographical um, pits and valleys of anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand. Okay, but but I mean, obviously, this is absurd. But they they said when she it, he won that this was a victory for all those who don't self-identify as. You know, however it is they describe right. in political correct terms. And, and secondarily, it's a victory for all those who choose to cheat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because, you know. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> it's also a victory for underscoring the distinctions between men and women. That yeah. men are generally uh, stronger and faster. Uh, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, but the uh, point is, when they announced that this was a victory for, they didn't say it was a victory for South Africa. It was a victory for this other distinction. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, I that's see. That's what. I'm, yeah, you, you, okay. it was like the first step in what you were well, talking let, yeah, about. Yeah, so let's go. Why, why don't we have an Olympics just based upon your sexual identity? I, yeah. Seriously, I, I, I'm saying it. Why not? Right. Let's let's have some fun in the spirit of getting to know each other. Right. That's the whole idea of the Olympics was to bring. Countries yes. together and to you know understand and compete in a healthy way, and that way foster peace. Right, that's the whole point of the Olympics as they started in 1896. But something funny happened along the way. There was World War One and then World War Two, and then people got, uh, you know, lost the taste for nation states. Thank you. It seems primitive and uh, really backward and, and militaristic, and therefore uh, let's do something different. So in the same spirit, let's get all those uh, all these different sexual Id- identities to kind of compete against each other and uh, have a sense of uh, camaraderie that, that the heterosexuals would get to compete against the bisexuals and and so forth and so forth. And uh, sometimes the bisexuals would, would win and sometimes the the, uh, the 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 queers would win and and the, the fictosexuals would occasionally win from they're a smaller group of course, but they'll they'll have their day. <laughs> As a champion, what's wrong with that? I think it's just so basic. I mean, it's a reflection. It's Olympics for our day. It's it reflects the sign of the times, right? I, I mean, am I crazy? I don't think I I'm think, crazy. I think this podcast will be heard by some one on the edges of academia because you and I do not have relations with those in academia who make these choices who write a position paper where 15 years later it becomes mainstream right but someone will know someone who will know someone who will whisper in someone's ear that this is a good idea and they'll crystallize the idea that we've already done this in this first Olympics with that women's 800 and the next thing you know a white paper and then 15 years from today which will be you know right. three Olympians down the line yeah. you'll have it Everyone will just wear rainbow colors. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's exactly right. And, and, and maybe the bisexuals will have their flag. And, and uh, I mean, I, I, there's so many bizarre uh, sexualities. Yeah, this, I, I don't this even remember them. the limit it's on got, this. So you have your own flag. You can choose it. And, and everyone agrees. And, uh, but my question is, I mean, look, we have the Special Olympics, right? So why, why does the Special Olympics get to have their things? And then there's the Paralympics, right? For people who are handicapped or paralyzed, paralyzed, right? Yeah, um, and that's great. I think it, it kind of shows, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a testament to uh, uh, to conquering uh, your uh, difficulties and challenges. Uh, but why not this? Why? What, what's okay? I mean, I think nobody's even thought about it. Let's let's do it. It can only foster great understanding among the the you know the different kind of sexual preferences. 
and, and show that, that they're strong too and they have legitimate concerns and everything will just be and, great. And you're right because this created distinction by our friends on the left eviscerates the need for nation states for the current structure of team identification, number one. Right. And number two, it truly welcomes all sins of the world on an equal basis to compete against each other to discern who has the chance to be the best. Right. There you go. I mean, wow. Wow, you're sounding a like a, I think you're really believing your... your... I really am <laughs> believing my crap here. I mean, <laughs> right. this is a steaming pile of crap and it looks like gold. Which, by the way, is one of the sexual identities as well. But <laughs> I don't want to go there right now. Oh, man. Okay, so wow. <laughs> I'm the one who's supposed to do that to this podcast, not you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I stumbled upon one of the 120 things. Stop like... using the internet. Just stop. <laughs> Just... <laughs> anyway. Stick with so, cable but, but, TV. So, so here we are creating distinctions where there really shouldn't be any. It's like, look, you know, sexuality is sexuality. Okay, everyone has things that turn them on in a different way, uh, things that are exciting to. Uh, to, to you are not necessarily as exciting to me. Uh, we're both heterosexual, but nevertheless... How dare you? Yeah, you, you might like... Uh, you, I like tall women, for example, and um, I don't care about big boobs, for example. Maybe you... How dare you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anywho... Um, no, and that, that's actually a great point worth coming. But, we don't, but we, don't, we don't make that distinction. That would be a silly distinction. Oh, uh, people who like taller women, right? Is that a, is that a sexual distinction now um and, and uh, men who like a woman with big butts is that is that going to be a sexual identity as well it might as well I, it, it, it might, might as well. well that's my point it yeah. it's obviously sounds silly but it might as well yeah okay if you're now, if these, you're, these are fa- these are false distinctions that we're talking about right and it's a very important that we understand this it's like we and and this is where i want to wrap up because i i want us to understand that tries we might to eviscerate all the distinctions of men, women, and all those things that we've talked about before. We still crave distinctions regardless. Okay. And we, we make them, they, they, they rear their, their heads like, like what was the whack-a-mole thing, uh, you know, bulges somewhere else at the end of the day. We still need distinctions. Just like, you know, if you, you can wipe out all tokens of violence in the schools, but guess what? They show up in the video games. And the kids play it anyway. With you, you just can't get rid of that. And likewise, we need distinctions. And even even with all these zombie movies, I was always I'm fascinated by why do we have so many friggin' zombie movies and TV shows? What what's what's up with this, right? And I think what it is, it's a craving for distinctions. It's us versus them, right? The zombies on the one hand, and us on the other. And how easy it is to become one of them at the same time. And here we are fighting against those zombies, you know, and, and it still appeals to our sense of violence and, and also to get rid of the bad guys and stuff. Either they're fictional bad guys. But again, it's still the distinction. I don't want to become one of them, right? So we create it. And I think that's what zombies are all about. At the end of the day, that's really what, what it's all about. Anyway, I, we, we will get back and we'll talk more about these topics. Don't go away. We will be right back.
Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. Thanks for tuning in again. All right, so one of the things that we touched upon briefly in the, the first segment is uh, about how it was that and the founding fathers knew that God was essential to the democratic experiment, democrat experiment, democracy experience, right? The experiment that we call democracy and freedom. Uh, that without it, 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 it would make no sense whatsoever. The American experiment. The, thank you very much. Yeah. That's right. The American experiment. Uh, which uh, involved the Republican form of government, and, and that's great. Um, <clears throat> but they seem to understand this basic concept. And it's, it seems so sad to me that we, we don't... It, it, we talked before about distinctions, and we just fail to see that there is a distinction between the way we perceive God today and the way God was perceived by the colonialists um, in the old days. And for that matter in all time prior to the early 1960s. Before the early 1960s, God was the center of everyone's life. The church was literally, I'm speaking about America, by the way, the church was literally in the middle of everyone's town. I'm not, not talking about New York City and such, but you know, for, for America, generally speaking, the church is where you would go to to kind of First, think about you know uh, marriage and uh, and of course uh, communion or whatever it might be, and and you would kind of socialize there at the same time. That was the first order of business. It's where you went. The church would have socials, you know, for boys and girls to meet each other and things like this. And it was understood to be the center, and and so it should be, right? It was healthy. But after 1964, things changed, and we we're not really getting into that right now. But here's what I want to speak about. Um, it, and there's one other distinction I wanted to mark, by the way. Um, I think you brought it up before, a, uh, a distinction that there is no distinction between Israel on the one hand and all of its Arab neighbors on the other. In fact, that Israel might be worse than the, the Arab neighbors, for example. But there is a distinction, my friends, and that's, that's something you have to kind of pay attention to. The tremendous amounts of distinctions going on, and we only seem to focus on um, the distinctions that we want to distinguish, such as the sexuality part of it that we talked about and kind of joked around about, but, but there's a lot of seriousness to it at the same time. All right, going back to um, the distinction between the way we view America, uh, God, 
in today's America versus the way we view um, God and, and colonial America and, and for most of America's history. It's staggering the difference. It's a huge distinction. It's a, it's, a, it's a valley, a canyon, a Grand Canyon. And we look back and we, we judge these men based upon with our, our own sensibilities about what, the way God should look like and, and the way that they treated freedom and even slavery for that matter. You know, Thomas Jefferson is being judged because he's, uh, he owned slaves and even Washington owned slaves. And therefore, anything that they ever made, may have accomplished for America, well, that's suspect now. In fact, they're criminals anyway. So they're horrible people. Never mind that they're the ones who, who, who embedded the Constitution with something that would destroy slavery, ultimately. And never mind that um, men like Abraham Lincoln, even though you know, he had his own racist mentality, he still didn't believe that anyone should be anyone else's slave. Right? That much we know. But they don't seem to understand. They don't care for those distinctions. But let me, let me describe to you the way God is. Uh, in, in terms of the way, at least, that they viewed God in society. They, without God as a driving force in society, it's as, it's, it's as absurd as thinking you could run a horse and buggy carriage without the horse. Okay, I'm using terminology that would have existed back then, right? That's how absurd it would be. In today's language, it would be a car without an engine. There, there's just no point, right? It, the car would be meaningless without the engine. Nespa, Nespa. That's that's the way it is. And today we we talk about God as if it's a um, it's a how, how I'm kind of lacking for the right description, Ari, but as if he's a convenience. It's a preference. Uh, as I say in my book, you know, you can discuss God if you like and and uh, prefer God if you like, but we can discuss him in the same way that you and I might discuss. You know which is the which is your favorite Beatles album, right? It's a it's something to talk about, but not necessarily something that's important. God is something that you do when you get around to it, like balancing your checkbook or you know cleaning out the roof gutters when when you have a moment. But it's it's a mistake. It's uh, God is if you actually think about it, and I'm I'm telling you solely from a logical point of view. If you actually know that there's a God, or you've come to the conclusion that there probably is a God, or a creator even, then you, you must come to the conclusion that this creator wants something out of you. That you're not just here, he didn't just plant you here and just said, you know, do whatever you want and, and be hedonistic and get drunk a lot and make a, just to make a lot of money and have a lot of sex and, and eat as much food as you want. He, didn't, he, he clearly doesn't want that. Oh, I think God wants that for me. But you, <laughs> for you know. But that's but, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <clears throat> I forgot. You're the, you are the exception. He, we made he, that clear. He sent me a message and said, that's exactly <laughs> what I want for That's me. right, because he wants to test, you know, the, the limits of the human body. Well, he wants to make sure <clears throat> those things are good. So. <laughs> I see. So, but he, he, didn't, he didn't make us solely for that purpose, right? He obviously did it for something else. Um, and so you, you obviously have a purpose. And <clears throat> one of your roles in life is to figure out what your purpose is vis-a-vis God, vis-a-vis the creator of the universe. And, and if, you, if you don't do that, well, then you're, you're really you know, missing your essential purpose. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know, like having a job. If, if you went to a job uh, as a construction worker, let's say, and you just kind of started walking around, eventually the, you know, the, the boss would say, hey, Johnson, what are you doing? 
you know, get on that forklift and, and move this from, from point A to point B and let's, let's hustle, dude. And you just kind of shrug your shoulders and you do nothing. And you just say, I just feel like walking around. I feel like looking at the sky, right? But it's not your job. <laughs> I want you to get on that forklift and move that log from this place to that place. Yeah. And, and do it now, John. And Johnson. the example you're giving is as if unions don't exist, right? <laughs> oh, so. that's right. I forgot. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. I, I forgot the reality of the day. That's right. <laughs> that's so terrible. This shovel isn't going to stand up by itself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, assuming a world without Teamsters, without unions of any kind. <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> that's hysterical. All right. So, yeah. So, so it's your job. And, but you ought to think of yourself like Johnson in that construction job, right? God is the foreman, right? And he's expecting you to do your job. How about that? Right? And you need to ask yourself, what's my job? That's, that's the distinction. You don't quite know exactly. But you should know. You should you know, it's, it's, I'm not talking about your job is, you know, to be a good lawyer, in my case, uh, to be a good uh, PR guy or to, to develop blogs and such on, on your part, <clears throat> be a good accountant, a good doctor. You know, that could be part of your purpose, but ultimately your job, if you thought about it for even just 10 minutes, you would figure out my job is to connect with God. My job is to be as good as I can be to other people. My job is to share the joys of God. And share the purpose of God. It, it, it comes racing to you, right? Yeah, bring light <clears throat> to others. Bring light to others. Yes, 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 exactly right. And, and this you should figure out pretty easily just by realizing that there must be a creator. It's not believing in a creator, by the way. It's not having faith in a creator, which I don't mean to mock. I'm simply saying, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm really responding to the atheist, not the Christian. I, I, I love the Christian, as you know. But the atheist will say, oh, you just want faith and such. No, I want you to think it through, Mr. Atheist. I want you to figure out the odds that this would happen randomly, and you'll come quickly to the conclusion that it's just not possible. And don't give me this garbage, Mr. Atheist, that it's a function of science just catching up to the, uh, to the to lack of knowledge. And one day we'll figure this all out. Yeah. Right? And, and by the way, uh, I'm just going to circumvent this like the union thing. <clears throat> Mr. Atheist... The answer, why are you here, is not to spend years and millions of dollars on legal battles removing under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> right, that's true. That's not your oh, purpose. Yeah. They feel that's so you good being a jerk. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder why the atheist even bothers, right? Because, you know, if the, if the atheist believes that his whole life is just to be here, we're, we're here for 60, 70, 80 years, and then we're gone, we're, we're warm food, Right. What does he give a crap whether or not Someone the Ten believes. Commandments stays there, right? Yeah. I mean, who cares about Mos Saladad? Right. A, a no crap. one is more faithful of God's existence than the atheist who spends all of his time yeah. fighting it. Right. Where I are mean, you fighting? You're, you're fighting be, nothing, right? Gonna, yeah. If, you, if you're 60 years old, you can say to yourself, you know, I'm going to be gone in 15, 20 years. Why, why bother? <laughs> What's the point? Who cares? You're going to be nothing. So who are you impressing at the end of the day, right? right. The, the, the non-God that you don't believe in? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> good for you, non-person. Whatever. It's, just, it's a strange thing. So anyway, getting back to the whole notion of, of God, you, you figure it out. This is your job. Fulfill your job and go for it, okay? But understand also at the same time that once you figure out that you have that purpose, that it's not just enough to, to do it on Sunday or Saturday or just five minutes a day. You have to think about it throughout the entire day. 
in everything that you do. There's a Torah expression, and I forget what it is, but it effectively says, you shall think about him in the middle of the day, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, uh, when you're married. Um, yeah, you know. the Vahafta prayer. Yes, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And, and the, the essence of it is, is simply to say, look, he's there all the time. And he's everything that you do, even your breath, even your eating and your drinking, and, and even going to the bathroom is a function of God's grace. You know, think of all the... Uh, Think of all the uh, miraculous things that all have to function together just to go to the bathroom. I, I don't mean to, I literally don't mean to be scatological here. I'm simply saying, think about. It's a great miracle. It's it a miracle. means, number one, you found some food. That's right. Which is That's hard enough. But, but, but that you're able to process that, your body's able to process that information. And, you know, look, if, let's, let's face it, you go to the restroom and, and you go and you have a, a good experience there. You feel relieved, you feel light as a feather, you feel energetic. It's a good feeling, right? And likewise with sex, it's a good feeling, of course. Likewise with great food, good feeling, right? Likewise when you're really thirsty and you drink some water, wow, what a feeling, right? Uh, and enjoying the beauty and everything. There's, there's God in all of this. And, and you should just appreciate it. I mean, and, and what a joy it is. It's like, uh, how, how, you know, my favorite museum in the world is the Louvre. Okay? There are many other beautiful museums, the, the Prada and so on like that. But the Louvre, to me, uh, you could go on and on. It's so one exquisite piece of art after the other. And if you go about your life treating, treating it as though you are walking through the Louvre, right, enjoying this masterpiece and that masterpiece. Oh, look on the ceiling. Here's another masterpiece, right? Because that's the way that the Louvre is. There's, there's literally paintings on the ceilings. And then here's the... Uh, here's the Mona Lisa, here's the such and such. I mean, uh, it's just stunning arts of work, works of art. And the same thing is true in our day-to-day -day lives. Find God in everything that you do. You know, I, I love our, our podcast, Ari, I must say. It's really a pleasure to work with you. You give me insights <clears throat> that I, I don't always think about. I'd like to think that I give you insights that maybe you don't think about as well. The repartee kind of, you know, causes us to bubble up and create these these um, epiphanies that I think that we wouldn't necessarily come up with on our own. Um, and, uh, and, and going to the computer, for example, I'm, I'm looking at a computer, um, just the, the majesty of this, how people figured this out and the history of being able to put this together so that it's, it's workable and it's cool and it, and it does all these things. They're the real human beings that did that with the gift of God of creativity and that they were able to harness light <clears throat> and electricity and and even the, the, the friggin' ergonomic chair that I have in my office and just the, 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 the sunset and the cars that somebody were able to, was able to figure out how to use fossil fuels to get these cars to move on their own. And I mean, isn't it cool? Isn't it exciting? And you, you just ask yourself, what else can we create? What, how else can we make the world a better place? Right? These are all God-related questions. And, and I think that was what the whole notion of the founding fathers, the whole understanding of the world was. In essence, to create a nation where people would have the freedom and the space to acknowledge and enjoy God's majesty in every breath, right. if to, they chose to. That's right. And to work for God and not to work for some other master. Right. And listeners who don't agree with us, think about just what a wonderful utopian world you would live in if just... 20% of the people on this planet believed in doing what we just said. Right. Just 20%. That's one right. out of five. 
That's right. And then think about what an incredible world it would be if 50% or 100% people. Just believe that. Yeah. Think about all the awful stuff in the world that would be gone instantaneously. I mean, yeah, it's, you it's, know. It's, you're so right. And uh, at the end of the day, like I, like I said, you, you, we need to find our purpose. And we need to, that the, the founding fathers wanted us, at the end of the day, to, uh, it's the pursuit of happiness, right? Uh, to, to create a more perfect union. As well, those two, you put them together. And it, it really does mean only one thing. If you were to actually interview the, any of the founding fathers at the end of the day, what do you mean by this pursuit of happiness? What does happiness mean? You know, some will say, well, it depends on the person. But at the end of the day, they would say, it's the search for God, to, to do God's bidding. That's what you're doing. But, and not to do the bidding of some other, uh, some, some man. Or some master. Or some other master. Exactly right. And that is the distinction. That's what the founding fathers understood. And they understood that God was everywhere, that God was in every breath that they took. And, and I wish, if we don't actually get back to that, I wish at the very least we would, would teach the history of that, that understood, to understand that people actually thought that once upon a time, instead of seeing them as the demons, the, the slaveholders that history likes to portray them as today. Yeah, think of the irony, too, because so many uh, who disagree with what we were just talking about view themselves as so deep. There can't be, by definition, anything deeper than a discussion about God. There can't be a more universal subject than discussing that that being who created everything. Well, you're, you're right about it, that. It just you're, can't you're, exist. You're, you're right about that, and that's the discussion that they want to to hold all the time and that's why they created the government as they did specifically to enable people to do uh, as, as much of the search for God as possible alright folks I'm Barack Lurie thanks so much for tuning in we'll talk with you next week